Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. It says this. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Just to put it into context, so it makes sense, let's uh, read verse 1. It says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, then verse 2 says, then Paul says, then fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. This is Paul writing to the Philippian church, as I've said before, as we've read and tried to um, get some nuggets or get some understanding from this most precious holy word that God has given to us through Paul. Um, he's writing to the church in Philippi, and um, he's encouraging them as to how to live out this Christian life, because we are here. We are here. We're not in heaven. We need to work out this uh, salvation, as it were, with fear and trembling, Philippians tells us. How do we do that? Practically, how do we do that? And so Paul tries to help the Philippian friends, his friends in Philippi, as to how to work it out. And so God will do the same for us this morning through his word to help us understand how we are to live this life according to his way, in a way that brings glory to him and pleases him. So Paul's appeal is that um, they, the Philippians, would develop four areas of harmony. Remember, this is to do with unity. He calls the, for unity within the church, the Philippian church. And in fact, he calls unity within all the churches, the churches in, in Corinth, uh, in Ephesus. He calls for unity, unity, unity. And um, so he, he, here it's about unity, but then he's trying to help them understand how this unity will come about and how it will look like. And so he appeals to them to develop four areas of harmony within the unity. Because it's one thing to be united face front, uh, of face value, but then without harmony within the unity, how united are we? Uh, I think that the best, best example I can think of, not that I'm a, a great musician, is if there's no harmony in your, your music, the muses can kind of uh, look at me with big eyes, um, if there's no harmony and the, there's no unity in the, in the singing, in the, in the instruments and all those nice things, that brings such wonderful music to us. If there's no, if there's, if the harmony is out, I mean, something is out. It, it's, on, it's not aligned. And so Paul encourages the, his friends in Philippi to be um, like-minded, to have the same love, to be of one accord, and be of one mind. Now, having looked at the first area of harmony, Two weeks ago, the oneness of attitude um, or being like-minded. We turn to the second phrase, which is having the same love. Having the same love. Now, this is a unity of affection. 
two hearts beating as one, it would fulfill Paul's joy if the Philippians had the same love. It will fulfill my joy, your joy, together as believers, if we had the same love. If our hearts were beating a lot, kind of in the same way, it would fulfill God's heart. Or God, it will give God the joy. The word having means to go on having. It means it's constantly, you're going on having constantly having the request is not for an event where christians state their love for one another it's not an event oh i love you brother or i love you sister once off no no it's not it's a it's a continuous thing paul asks for a lifestyle of loving each other a lifestyle of loving each other. Do we have that? Do we have a lifestyle of loving one another? I ask you as I ask myself, do I have that between you, to, from me towards you and you towards me, brothers and sisters in the family of God? Do we have the same, that lifestyle, that attitude of loving each other? We are to continually apply the principle of loving one another to our experiences in life. Because life will throw all sorts of things at us. Life experiences are not um, the same. That's why in, in his word he says, uh, someone thanks him. I think it's in the Psalms. It says, thank you God for the fact that you have new mercies for us every single morning. Every single morning. Why would God give us new mercies every single day? Because every day is different. We, are to, we will be faced with all sorts of challenges. We'll be faced with all sorts of opposition. Because we're in this world, as I've often said, through, as these words says, we're in this world, but we're not of the world. We are in the world where it's full of darkness, yet we are the little lights walking around. And together we have this big light shining and pushing back the darkness. Pushing back the darkness. Life will throw all sorts of different experiences at us. But we are called to have a lifestyle of loving one another, regardless of the experiences. This love... It's probably based on the appeal um, to love in, in uh, verse 1, where it said, If any comfort of love, 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 love. We are motivated because of God's unconditional love for us. I cannot love you in my own love. My own love is too small. It's too um, depleted. It's too selfish in some ways, actually. I cannot love you the way I'm called to love you uh, as per the word of God in my own strength, in my own ability. But I love you based on what God has done for me, based on what the love that he has shown me. Because God has loved me and you, we ought to love one another. Because he has set the example. Remember, Jesus Christ is a perfect example. Perfect example. These friends in Philippi are to have the same love. The same love 
is love for God first and foremost. And then love for his kingdom. It's one thing to say, I love you, God, with our words. But then that love has to be shown in action. By loving each other. By uh, obeying scripture. By loving the orphans. By looking after them. By loving the, the widows. By looking after them. That is action. It's not, oh, it's nice to, I'm going to love you because you're an orphan. Ah, I love you orphan. Or I love you widow. Or, I love you poor person. Uh, it goes more than that. I love you orphan. I'm going to come and visit you and care for you. Oh, I love you, widow, because you have lost your husband. And therefore, I'm going to step in. I'll be Christ in this situation and love you and look after you and do the best that I can as God allows me to. Oh, you're poor. I've got extra. I'm gonna, in fact, I don't have extra, but I can see that you are hungry. I'm going to take what I have and give it to you. That is love in action, which is what we're called to do. We're not just called to love each other by words. And as we do that, we are set apart. This love is to be the same love in origin. It is love given by God. I must emphasize it. This love is not love based on our ability. Not love based on how good I might be or, or I conjure it or I, I, I make it. No, no, it's got to be based on Him. As we uh, draw from him, he overflows in us and we are able to give this love. There is no way I'm going to be able to give someone who, uh, I've got my last plate of food. My very last plate of food. And I see a brother or sister who is also, he's hungry or she's hungry. She doesn't have. My selfish nature will say, actually, I'm going to take a little bit. Divide my little food, take a little bit for myself and give the rest to you. Uh, and then, uh, then I'll tick the box. I've been good. It only takes the love from God, the Father, through His Spirit, where He will help me. Actually, I have had, uh, I will have, maybe that person won't, won't have another meal. I'll take my plate and give it to them. It's outside of my selfishness. That cannot be because of my own goodness. So this love that Paul is appealing or is speaking about is based on the love from God. Not love from each other or you yourself as you've generated. This love is to be the same love in object. See, people who have different things or who show loving royalty to different people may find themselves in a bit of trouble. I think, I mean, we are a nation that loves rugby, and uh, there are different rugby teams. And one group of people will love a certain team. Another group of people will love the opposite team. And... Um, there will be, yes, we're together, we love the concept of rugby, but actually I don't love you so much because you support that team. And you don't love me so much because I support that team. And when that team wins, I actually hate you even more. It's not quite like that. 
I'm a soccer fan, and so uh, I apply the same um, principle to soccer or different teams. And we will have a bit of a, uh, you, you think you're good, you're better than me, because your team won today. Uh, but remember, if, uh, my team beat your team four times before, and you've only beaten me once. We'll have a little bit of difference, isn't it? But the same people who love the same rugby team, who together collectively start loving the rugby team because they are either winning or losing, we are aligned. We are, I don't know who, which team is the Blue Bulls or, or uh, whatever. Um, See, so it just shows you my knowledge of the rug, uh, rugby's in our country. South Africa, Springbok. <laughs> um, it, we are aligned, we are together. We are, there is harmony in our love for this team. So Paul calls the Philippians and us today to be aligned in Jesus' love for each other and to the world out there. But you cannot do that by yourself. You cannot do that by yourself. People who have, who love the same things, such as children loving the same parents, fans loving the same music, the same team, travelers loving the same country, will find themselves drawn together. Drawn together. So Christians should actually be drawn together because of the love of God in us. So Paul wants the Christians to be drawn together in their common love for Jesus and his people. So how are we doing with our common love for Jesus? I can already see our faces and I can say, yeah, tick, tick, we're doing well. Jesus, I love you. But then I ask you, how are we doing with our common love for Jesus' people? How are you doing with the love for your neighbor? Lord, help me to love my neighbors. Help me to love you as I ought to in a way that actually glorifies you, King Jesus. In the world today, when we talk about love, we are in danger of reading our cultural view of love back into the Bible. The, the problem today in our culture is that love, uh, we need to understand that love is more than just over-emotional sentiment. Love is not just some emotional thing that ebbs and flows. Sometimes we are happy and we love each other. Sometimes we're not happy and we don't love each other. Love is more than that. Sometimes we love the best when our love is tough. Sometimes we love the best when our love is tough. When we do the right thing, even though it might be hard for a person, that's when we show that we love them the best. Sloppy love with no norms and boundaries is not biblical love. The expressions of our love may change as we carry on with new mercies every day. Life throws different challenges. Life throws all sorts of things at us. 
Our expressions might change, but it should remain consistent. It should remain the same. Because He who gives it to us is consistent. He's a perfect example. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, we emulate Him. We, we, we um, follow Him. We are led by Him. We follow His example. And He helps us. A good parent shows pleasure at the accomplishment of their children or a child. Right? If a child is down well, you show pleasure. As a, you show pleasure. When a parent is pleased, he or she should show it. It's not wrong. If your child is down well, it's okay for you to celebrate and, and show that and, and celebrate that, that your child is down well. It's, it's expression of love. But when a child is out of line, not to discipline that child is to actually hurt that child. One of the most loving things we can do for that child in that situation is to discipline them. Our love for others, for other believers, may have several looks. Now, I'm talking about children because we can relate to them and we know the children, they're still learning. We are still kind of, God has given us the, the privilege of raising our kids and those who are not maybe our kids by blood, but God has brought others along our path and we have the privilege of guiding them. But even them, they need to be shown love. But love is not just all about sweets and chocolates, Malcolm. Um, you know? <laughs> It's more than that. But I know that Malcolm knows that. It's more than that. It's more than that. It's saying the hard things when it should be said. And not holding back. Another example is if a boy, for example... um, Uh, breaks the neighbor's window, playing cricket, playing soccer, playing rugby or something, and your son or boy breaks the the window, or at school for teachers among us, breaks the window, and you or I say, ah, that's all right, it's okay, it's okay, and pat him on his back or her back, and say, it's okay, it's okay, it happens, it happens. We have taught him or her not to respect other people's property. We have simply taught that individual not to respect other people's property. Because we say, no, no, it's okay. It's a different way to address. If you address a child and say, hey, do you see what you did? Do you see what, where did you go wrong? Why is it wrong? And you address it differently to, oh, no, no, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry, it's okay, it's okay. Uh, We'll take care of it. What have you taught that person? What have you... We are called to, to, to teach. We are called to love. We are called to address things in love. Now doing that is not love. That is not love. If we discipline the child with an attitude, one thing is you can, there's some taskmasters. So the child breaks a window and man, the taskmaster stands up and says, Hey! Do you know what you've done? I'm going to address you. I'm going to teach you a lesson now. But he does that without an attitude of love. 
that is not love either. So you can direct, you can discipline, you can teach with an attitude of love, looking at, at the best for that little individual, or you can stand up and just direct your, your um, anger or your displeasure without love. That in itself is not love. And that, does, that in itself also does more damage to that person than it ought to. The love of the parent, of all of us parents, our love towards each other as Christians, as believers, as, as family, needs to be based on norms because love has norms and boundaries. Norms and boundaries that are independent of negative attitudes. So we will mess up. People will mess up. It's how we address those people. It's how we, we, the actions that we do. It, it, it's how we do it. But we ought to do it. It's one thing not to do it. It's wrong. It's another thing to do it in a different um, attitude. That's also wrong. We have to find a balance. And so for, it's the same for us as a church family, as believers. You remember what uh, Proverbs says to us. It's written that um, do not despise the Lord's instruction, instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline. Huh? There's that word, discipline. You and I also get disciplined by the Father. Then verse 12 explains the reason behind the ex- exhortation. 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 It explains why that word is there, that, that uh, uh, is written. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. If God himself can do it to us, how much more are we to do it to our children, to the ones that God has given us care, to care for? But it all has to be done out of a place of love. The right kind of love. Not a selfish love where what am I going to get out of it? No, it's a love that looks out for that individual more. I want to see my boy grow up and be the best he can be. I can either bring um, my rod and try to direct him in that way, or I can bring my encouragement in love. Yes, rod might have to come into place, but actually love, love, love. You remember the, the, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22? What is the first uh, fruit? Love. Love. That fruit leads the list of virtues because it is the supreme virtue of the Christian life. It is a sacrificial love whereby we lose something to give to others. 
love is a supreme virtue in the Christian life. I read the, the scripture earlier this morning. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13 says, And these three will remain. Hope, no, so it's faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I've, heard, I've read commentaries that guys start arguing about, um, well, you need more love than you need, more fa- than you need faith. You need more hope than you need faith. But actually love over, overrides it all. There's different arguments as to what is more important. Is it hope? Is it faith? Or is it love? I won't answer that this morning. I'll let you go and work it out with God. All I know is that one of these remains, or the greatest ones remain, and that is love. So much so that God demonstrated his love towards you and I, that whilst I was a sinner, whilst you were a sinner, he sent his son to die for you. He sent the acceptable sacrifice for you. Whether you'd accept it or not, he still did it because he loves you and I. The word same here means self-same. Love should be mutual. Love is a two-way, it's a two-way street. Love is a two-way road. It's not just me, me, me. It's going to come from you as well. If it is mutual, there is a much higher likelihood that harmony will exist between people or groups. If we try to discredit someone, a breakdown in mutual love will develop. The momentum of the cycle of mutual operation of love will be broken because I'm discrediting you. I'm saying, oh, I'm better than you or you, whatever. I'm, I'm undermining you perhaps in some ways. Then I've just broken that, that flow of love. Wow, I'm putting myself higher than you. And so... Um, To have the same love. I went and um, tried to look up how many times the word love is uh, written in, in the Bible. And um, the word love appears more than 300 times in the, in the Word of God. More than 300 times. Jesus said it. They will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. It's not by the way we speak to one another because I say, hey, I love you. By the way, you love one another in our actions toward each other. I will know that you are a brother or a sister by the way that you treat me and by the way you treat others. And so we 
here this morning and we've obviously, as I said this morning, we've heard of the, the sad news. And so how are we to behave? How are we to love the Nokia family? How are we to love Hanukkah and her beautiful girls? Because there will come a day, it's all, it's happened, it's fresh, and they'll, they'll be bombarded with uh, Christian love and all the rest, which is, which is good. But there comes a day when it all, all those things, kind of, people just, life carries on. And part of our fellowship is the family that God has put us together is to continue loving them. Continue exercising a, a, um, a life that shows fruits of love. Because two, three weeks, four, five months from now, this that's happened today will be old news. But those who, Hanukkah and her girls, will still be going through the loss of the husband and her father. And we need to be there. We need to show love. When everyone goes and it's all kind of fa- it fades away, we need to be there. We need to be standing there and say, Hanika, how can, I, how can we help you? You're a sister in the family of God. How can I help you? By my, yes, a hug is, is good, but how can I help you practically? How can I help you practically? And, but then, of course, you might not you know her personally, What I can encourage you to do is to pray. Pray that God continues to shower her, that family, with his love. His never-ending love. We don't understand why things happen the way they do. But the reality is death is is a reality that we'll all have to face one day. But we do celebrate, actually, the tear this morning is with Jesus. There's no more pain, no more tears. None of that stuff that he went through, that's no longer. He is in a glorious place. But the reality is he's left others here who will suffer emotionally and all the rest. And my call to us this morning is that we pray. And we walk alongside them. If you don't know them personally, pray. If you know them personally, pray and walk along. Ask God how you can help. How you can help. So I'm going to ask us if we are happy. I'd like to pray. I'd like us to pray for the Nokia family. Together as, as, a, as a church, we will do what we can. What God has allowed us to have, our resources, whatever, our love, our ability to do whatever we can, we're going to use it to love and look and walk alongside this family. So Lord, I thank you God that you're the great I am. I thank you Lord for this love that you've spoken about. This love that is never-ending. This love that extends from generation to the next generation. And it carries on, God. Why? Because you're consistent. 
You are the same yesterday, today, and you will forever be the same. So God, as we think of this beautiful family, God, we're going through a morning process. Father, I ask that you would hold them even closer. I ask Jesus that they would feel your presence, that they would know that you're with them, God. You have not let them down. You have not abandoned them, Lord, but you're with them. You walk with them. And I pray, God, for us, your children who are here with them, I ask that you'd help us to know, to seek, to ask how, how best to be show this love that you've given us to them, God, practically, not just in words, God. Help us to love our sisters and this family, God, who are so precious. Pray, God, for your mercy. Mercy over them, God, as they go to to bed every night and the thoughts are there, God, I pray for your mercy. Pray, God, that you would help them. Help them, Jesus, I ask. Help them, Jesus. And then for the rest of us, God, I ask that you'd help us to realize that this life is a gift from you. No one knows the day or the time. But whilst we have a breath in our lungs, God, I ask that you help us to live this life that you've given us to the best of our ability, Lord, bringing glory to your most holy name. Father, that would put away the trivial stuff that we get so caught up with. Caught up with it just takes away the focus of what is important, Father. That we would love people like never before. We would bring correction in love where it needs to be brought, Father. We would just love the unlovable, God. We'd step out of our comfort zones, God, and go. Go and preach and present Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. So God, we thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your mercy. In Jesus' strong and mighty name I pray. Amen.